It's Song Talk Radio with Michael, Neil, Phil, and the gang. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome to Song Talk Radio, the show that wants to teach you that you should always write a script, even if you think you don't need one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the song where we talk about songwriting, tips and tricks, and how to get better at writing songs, and uh, Primus, and Rush, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And um, as per usual, uh, along with me are the usual dedicated members of the Song Talk Radio Action Team, uh, Mr. Neil Modi. Howdy. And, uh, of course, uh, coming back to us is Michael Proudfoot. How are you getting on? Well, <laughs> she's all right, bye. She's good. <laughs> best kind, my son, best kind. Um, but if you're out there listening and you want to send us an email, send us an email to feedback at songtalk.ca and uh, we'll share your thoughts on the show. And we love getting your letters, so please send us letters because we're very, very lonely uh neil so what you got uh talking about today yeah so our, our good friend of the podcast uh eric alper uh, a publicist extraordinaire in toronto here sent us uh an article or he shared anyway on, on something <laughs> um, I mean, you might have shared it with other people as well it's not just us no, no well, just us I mean, it's just us. the whole world um an article on on, on a website called the pudding um an exercise in language compression are pop lyrics getting more repetitive uh, by Colin Morris and uh, what, what the author's done. This is really interesting. It's kind of a, it's kind of a cool interactive website as well. Um, he went through a, a bunch of uh, top 10 songs from the last several decades and, and sort of talked about, you know, an algorithm uh, comparable to how JPEGs get compressed or MP3s get compressed with a, you know, from a data standpoint, they look for repetitiveness in your, in your, in your data set, in your image or in your, in your bits and bytes of the, of the, of the music that you're trying to uh, compress into an MP3. And then there's, then there's a, a ratio, a number, a percentage that the compression algorithm takes. And, you know, something that's, you know, 30% compressed means there's not too much repetition in, in that data set. And something that's 90% compressed means there's a heck of a lot of repetition and it can really shrink down um, uh, c- considerably. And, uh, and as, as expected, he, you know, he went through all these, all these uh, songs um, and found that as time went on, decades go on, generally things are getting more more compressed or more more repetitive <clears throat> the uh the absolute top shelf winner 98 percent compression around the world by daft punk from 1997 mm. that's like around the world that's like the only <laughs> lyric in that whole song i, I, like that song. I will be uh, registering a rebuttal in, uh, in a moment but okay <laughs> right <laughs> well keep keep in mind he, he did he did go through like uh billboard top uh well billboard top 100 between 1958 and 2017 okay Okay, oh, and so yet, hot, so it has been a hot 100. James Brown's "Please, Please, Please" didn't come out on top. That's the only lyric in the song. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> well, was well. it the top 100? Yeah, oh, good point. I don't know how yeah, how uh, it was a hit though. I mean, that was his first. Yeah, and as far, as far as Google something. Yeah, and as far as artists are concerned, if you if you look at all decades of artists, Rihanna for some reason is way up on the on the repetitiveness scale. Um, Frank Sinatra and Elvis Presley are at the other end and everyone else is kind of, um, in between <laughs> somewhere. And you can even, you can even search by specific artists. Um, he's got a little drop down menu that shows the, the graph on, on specific artists and their particular songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, where, where their average of repetitiveness is and which, which one of their songs are more repetitive and, and least, um, you That's know, and it, 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 the, the, the interesting thing of course, is that you know, for lyric repetitiveness, you know, you can also, you know, let's go a little profile on, on, on by genre. And of course, country and hip hop, least repetitive of all mm-hmm. the genres. It's true. Rock, much more repetitive because those genres, you know, the, the hip hop and the, and the country. Oh, yeah. Lots of words and lots of, um, you know, lack of, lack of, you know, verses are different. Your courses are different. Everything's, everything's different. Rap, especially. Right. Well, rap is very lyrically complicated. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. Uh, I, I do stand corrected. There are more words in please, please, please. Uh-huh. Uh, not many more. <laughs> Baby, you done me wrong. Whoa, you done me wrong. So now you done me wrong. Now you're gone. Please, please, please. And please don't go. 
but uh, and it was number two and number three, you know, mm-hmm. around the world. Mm-hmm. But uh, that leads me to I think great uh, vocalists can get away with yeah little or a lot of repetition because you're not listening necessarily to the word; you listen to the uh, the emotion okay. of how the words are conveyed. Yeah, that's that's certainly some of it, and certainly some of it is what you know what people expect. If you if you're if you're dancing to it, if you like, you probably don't care. You know really exactly. For the words, there's nothing yeah, probably meaningful in there. But the, the other interesting metric was that that the songs that reached the top ten on average were more repetitive than the rest of the songs in the in the top one hundred. That's interesting, right? Like by, yeah, by a significant margin. Well, and, I was thinking about. I was driving home the other day and I heard a Brian Adams song. And Brian Adams, terrific singer, great songwriter, very successful, but the lyrics are not the strong part of his songs. And mm-hmm. I forget which song this was. But it was the most simplistic emotions. And I thought, well, this will translate well. Like, you know, it's, and I don't mean just, um, uh, like, it'll translate across languages, because even if you're a, if English is your second language, you'll still get it. Mm-hmm. But also, it's not a lot of uh, complicated emotions. There's not a lot of, there's no irony. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, wordplay. It's mm-hmm. a little more direct. So perhaps simplicity in lyrics does help you have uh, a better hit. As long as everything else is firing on all cylinders. Yeah, yeah. And of course, of course. The difference between simple and, and repetitive. That's yeah. true. And this algorithm is measuring repetitiveness, right? It's measuring repetitiveness. Yeah, and, and it's it's kind of, I, I was just looking at it, like in the way that when you compress a GIF or a GIF yeah. or a JPEG, a TIFF or whatever, um, they're getting rid of information they don't need. So they're applying yeah. that information to lyrics and they go, okay, if this lyric is repeated okay how much compression can we do how much can we discard yeah and that that's it so yeah michael you made an interesting point i thought um about how a vocalist can carry a very um simple lyric and it just made me think of a show i've been watching a lot of lately is a britcom called moon boy about a young boy. Moon Boy? Moon Boy. Um, okay. It's an Irish um, uh, show. I don't know if it's, a, it's based in Ireland. About a young, a young boy and his imaginary friend, which is uh, Chris O'Dowd. And he's the writer of the show. And they actually have a theme song. And uh, the theme song is called Where's Me Jumper? <laughs> or it goes, Where's Me Jumper? And by the band The Sultans of Ping. Um, or the Sultans of Ping FC, I think is the, is the full name. Oh, they're a football club. But what's so interesting is his vocal delivery is so interesting. Even though he's not a typically great singer, he really carries the song, and it's really fascinating and very catchy. And is a theme song to a, um, a television show. Uh, so... Quite well, you know, quite well to do. So I will uh, put a link to that in the uh, show notes. But uh, it's it's as we're doing our songs, it's interesting. We think so much of the melody and, and so on, but the delivery of our lyrics, the delivery of the melody, can have a huge effect on uh, the way people perceive a song. Yeah, very mm-hmm. true. Yeah, and uh, what you may find is that. You think the, sometimes the book and lyrics, or sorry, the, <laughs> the book and music, this, that there's a separation, but the melody that you create really informs how well the the uh, lyrics land. Mm. You know, mm. it you have to put it in a position where it sounds like what it feels like, mm. which is not quite prosody, but it's mm. the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That it, it has to sound right. I mean, it can work the other way. I was listening to... Uh, Pumped Up Kicks, the song was a, oh, yeah. a couple of years ago. And it's this kind of happy sounding song, but it's not. It's about killing a kid for his, his sneakers. Mm. Mm. And it's it, so everything goes against what the, the lyrical content is. Uh, and yet, you know, it's still kind of, you know, it works. I mean, it's catchy and it gets in your head. But I mean, there's a number of songs that are not what they appear to be. But that's the most recent one that's so dark in, in lyrical content and so kind of happy in the way it yeah, sings. Yeah. I always go back to um, Run For Your Life by the Beatles, mm-hmm. um, which John Lennon reportedly hated, but it's basically like 
this is really bouncy, up-tempo, yeah. happy, happy melody. Run for your love if you can, little girl. Yeah. You know, like, leave me and I'll murder you, is basically. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a, a good, good old blues sentiment. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of songs that would not be not permitted, but would not would not land quite the same way as they did back then. Yeah, I know. Right, so um, let's get on to the meat of the show, unless we have some more news. Well, the only thing is, uh, Neil, you're, you're sorry that you missed the Primus show where they Primus played their tribute to Kings, which is Primus playing Rush songs here in Toronto, sure Massey, I'll be able to dig the it up Massey Hall. Actually, two two new venues. So the new Massey Hall is open, and I'm, I'm going to be going right. to see a show there, oh, not till the fall, but I'm really excited about the new Massey Hall, which was an acoustically perfect venue. And they, they've kept that, apparently, and they've just made the backstage better and, and better seating, et cetera, et cetera. And also the El Macombo has been completely redone. and But from years past, the... Um, the Rolling Stones, I don't know, in 72, sometime in the 70s, they did a, a surprise show there. Yeah. Uh, and there's been a, a bootleg going around of that show for years. But the Stones themselves have finally released that. So there's a new uh, release of the Stones live at the Mocambo out. Cool. The El Mocambo. I, I was at the El um, two weeks ago to see uh, one, one, of our, one of our guests. Uh, yeah, the, uh, uh, one in the, in the chamber. Yeah, it's a great show. Discovered, yeah. a, discovered a new band. Um, how was the venue? The venue was the venue was nice. I, I admit I hadn't been there many times before, so I didn't really know what I was comparing against. But they, you know, they got LCD screens everywhere and new tile and new bar and everything. And then you guys, you guys before were saying that like the stage was off to the side of the oh yeah, it was ridiculous. of the one one space. So yeah, I was in I was in the, the ground floor room, not the upstairs room. Yeah, the upstairs. Um, and and that, and that one, I mean, the stage was at the back. Normal. That makes sense because it used to be a long, thin room. Um, yeah, room, low ceiling it, room and, and a long rectangle, and the yeah. stage was on the the length of the instead of yeah, the end no, of the rectangle. Yeah, now it's, it's two floors. The, the ceiling. I don't know how they raised the ceiling, but they <laughs> they took out a floor. Yeah. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's um, so often, uh, I'm not sure what it's like in other cities, but in Toronto, it seemed like people would go into a building and say, wow, you know what would be really, really bad here? You know what would really not work well here? Live music. Let's make this into a bar. And they'd make it into a bar. <laughs> and it's just... There's a place called The Edge back in the 70s, and there was like yeah. three good seats and everywhere else you had to sort of like look around this this huge staircase in the middle. Yeah. Was, oh, that uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. even I, I was a kid when I went there, and even then I was going, this is a really bad layout for a place to see live music. Oh, there's a venue. I can't remember uh, exactly where it is. It's, it's, the, uh, it's connected to a hotel in Vancouver, and the ceiling is so low mm. that... It's you can't see anything. You know, it's just so. It, it's another bad venue. Jeez. Yeah, I saw uh, the John Spencer Blues explosion there. It was great, but I had to go up next to the washroom slash uh, artists change room and sort of be on the side of the stage just to see anything. As <laughs> <laughs> British Shelter, we played the Cavern a couple times out on Church Street, and it's it's a long, long, narrow thing. If the stage is tiny. It's it, it, it's so much fun to play there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nothing wrong with us. Yes. So um, so join us again on Venue Talk, and uh, we'll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. For every, for all of you around the world, us talking about Toronto venues must really help. Yes. You mentioned one in Vancouver. That's true, and and Phil could probably soon talk about venues in St. John's. Although, although again, if, if you're if you're in New York City, um, go to Harlem and check out Smoke. Wicked cool blues venue. Really, really oh, great. What was it called? Smoke. Sm oh, Smoke. Smoke. It's in Harlem. Right. Really, really mm -hmm. cool. Place. I was just going to suggest to our listeners that they send in their best and worst venue in their cities. Yes, that would be awesome. I'd love I'd like that. To hear that. Because I'm right. sure there's some great stories there. Okay. Oh, yeah. We'll do a poll. 
So, um, this is one of our shows where we talk about one of the host response to our song challenge. Uh, what is the song talk challenge, Phil? The song talk challenge is to write from a title. And that title is Why Do You Cry? And that title was suggested by our listeners. And I guess we probably should know who su- Well, fine. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what's going on. I thought you, I thought you were infuriated that I didn't know who sent in the. Uh... It's the only way I know how to protest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's. Okay, we'll start this. Do an edit here, okay? Cut okay. here. <laughs> what is the song talk challenge, Phil? <laughs> oh dear. Okay. And it's number two. So this is the sh- this is part of the show. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> oh my goodness! Right, you know, why don't you take part of this show? Why don't you take over at this point? If we were still at Ryerson, they'd be like, okay, next show's on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Of course, we wouldn't be dependent on the internet so much. That's true. Yeah, we have a pretty solid connection there. Okay. <laughs> right, Neil, so why don't you tell us about our Song Talk Radio Challenge for this year? For this year, for the 2022 edition of our Song Talk Radio Songwriting Challenge, we decided to write a song from a title. Uh, we solicited title suggestions from our listeners, and um, and and Bikoy sent in a, a suggestion called "Why Do You Cry," and that's the one we picked um, out of all the selections. So thank you, Anne. And um, and uh, the three of us are each going to write a song or have written a song uh, based on that title. And uh, of course, we're inviting our listeners as well to submit songs, and we've already received a bunch of them. So please keep them coming because we will be doing an episode very soon in the next few weeks um, uh, featuring our listeners' songs, an episode or two or three <laughs> as needed. Um, and um, yeah, so that's the challenge. And, um, and tonight we're uh, happy to have uh, Michael present his answer to the challenge. I did mine two weeks ago. Phil's going to do his two weeks from now. Um, but tonight we're uh, going to talk about Mike's answer. So, well, yeah. Yeah, it was an interesting challenge. Considering it was kind of lyrical in the gauntlet thrown down, the lyrics weren't really the journey. Uh, it didn't affect much of the journey that I, I, I went on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, kind of early on, Why Did You Cry got me thinking about it and uh, reductively it's like why why, you know why why, what are you complaining about was sort of the the bigger picture of it Uh, and the journey that this went on for me was at first uh, I was you know I created a a song and I given that this was the title I figured okay that's got to be the chorus so I wrote the chorus first Mm. and then uh, I tried a few chord progressions in the verse to lead to it and and so that got scrapped and tried this and that uh, until I got to uh, something that I kind of liked but then the big challenge for this for me was the the structure and the arrangement and that's mm-hmm. what I've been playing with for lo these many months uh, and you know um, and even even okay what what was the tempo and what was because it started out as a very simple, almost just a, a, a kind of a just a, a an E, an E major seven, kind of just a, a kind of a groove, and a build from there. And I thought, well, that'll be easy. And it wasn't because mm-hmm. what is the right tempo? What is the right groove? What is the? And uh, as I added lyrics to it, especially in the, I thought, especially in the verse, that it would, um, you know, I can just. You know, cut it to fit almost. But uh, I did a version, uh, and I, I think I, I, we have that, which I played at one of our meetups and got some feedback on it. And it was, okay, that sounds... Okay, I'm, I'm getting towards where I want to get with it. But um, what... Uh, it, it 
um, then I'd listen to it back and go, okay, well, this goes on too long and this doesn't work or, or whatever. But it was mostly uh, time signatures and, and uh, structural things. And I'm still working on it, but I'm uh, a little happier where it got to. Um, but... Um, you, you were saying before the show started that like some of the the lengths of things are weird, like the verses are different lengths of... Like, yeah, the and, they still, and they still are. Um, uh, well, it was on purpose in that uh, because I've been playing, like it's been years since I played in a band and I used to write songs with a bunch of people and there would always be feedback like, okay, no, it needs, this needs a bit more or that needs to trim. or So there was always that kind of push and pull. And I've been playing as a solo acoustic guitar, you know, singer-songwriter for 20 years. And so I can vamp out a bit if I want to, you know, I can stretch or, you know, or fill or shorten depending on the vibe I'm getting from an audience or how it sounds in my ears. So I've never, uh, not never, I have been less concerned about that. And so I was playing this song and I go, hmm, this bridge sounds a bit long. Okay, I'm going to just chop a line off it or this verse or this. But what I've ended up with is, and I didn't realize it until uh, I, I play music a lot with my wife and so she was going to play bass on it uh, and uh, unfortunately, there isn't bass on it because she's at Carpal Tunnel, but she's going through it. You do know that this first verse has six bars. The second has five. The chorus has nine bars. The, the, the bridge has six. Like, what are you doing? And I had run into this earlier with the first version because I'd, I, I was having trouble and I, I was working with uh, Don, who used to, who was... Uh, works with us on our show when we did it live out of Ryerson. And he goes, I like the song, but your time signatures or your, your timing is really kind of weird. And I go, well, what do you mean? And uh, so <laughs> it wasn't until I kind of started patching it together and the DAW wouldn't do what I wanted it to do because I kept mm. adding an extraneous beat here or there. And so it's been really more of a... a a lesson in structure and and arrangement. Um, what was working for me, though, was the idea. I wanted to keep it as sparse as possible and also have as, as many different ways of playing it. So I don't, like each verse is sometimes played on a different instrument. Each The chorus has different instruments, so it, they keep coming and going in it. Mm. And that was part of the production experiment of it, which I was quite happy with. Mm. And layering harmonies and, and things like that. But the, uh, yeah, the structure of it is still a work in progress. But, so, but, so, so does it, does it really bother you that there are different lengths of things? If it, it like, doesn't, like, you know, you, you asked me to put the, the MIDI, MIDI drums on this thing and yes thank you, and, and, and you when you played the drums on it that really helped solidify it yeah because because to be honest i didn't notice and then certainly i didn't like i, I put it in at the, at the tempo you gave me and it lined up like there was no extraneous beats there might have been you know a measure here a measure there but i just play along to it on my keyboard and I'm like, okay fine i didn't it didn't it didn't bother me that if, if the verse one and verse two were different lanes does it, well, it fit the lyric and, you know? Yeah, I'm ebbing and flowing on it because, yeah. I mean, every extra beat or every, sorry, extra bar is there to me for a good reason. Like yeah. the bridge is six bars long because when it was eight bars, it seemed too long. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I was having trouble with the, my, I use Logic and I was having trouble, you know, using the arranger in it because when it would, because I thought oh, I'll, I'll make the arrangement and then I'll, uh, mock-up using drummer, but when the, the drummer function was implemented, it didn't line up. It, it didn't recognize it. Like, it wants it to be a bit more regular, or I don't know how to use the, the software well enough to mm. override it. There's mm. always user error as a factor when it's me. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something very, very briefly. On, on my song, I was using um, Native Instruments Acoustic Strummer which is mm -hmm. a pattern-based acoustic guitar plugin that I recently got with Complete 13. I have, I don't know if you guys noticed this on my song, I have six, four measures or six, four bars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like there's mostly, it's like four, four, six, four, 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 six, four in the verses. And there's, there's a six, four somewhere in the core. Like it's kind of, it's not random, but there was a pattern to it. But mm -hmm. 
this strumming plugin, it kept shifting where it started its pattern. And it always happened when it hit the 6-4 bar. Like it didn't know what to do with my 6-4 right. measures. I ended up using a different order acoustic guitar plugin for my for my thing. But I'm just saying these like automated plugins that that are supposed to play along with your song or whatever. If you yeah, if you throw something that's not a strict four-four rigid yeah, that totally thing, it's gonna throw it off. Because yeah, I was I was doing I think I was doing a six-four for the verses and then mm -hmm. would change. And again, I it's probably you probably can do it. I just didn't know how to do it. But uh, yeah, it would confound the automatic drummer function. Yeah. I, mean, I went but, back for I went back and forth with the Native Instruments support and even asked people on Facebook and stuff like that, and no one could solve my problem huh. with support. So. Okay. But Sometimes to me, and maybe when we listen to it, you can give your feedback. It doesn't, like, maybe the, the bridge needs a, a build to get out, or maybe I could mm -hmm. repeat the last line of the chorus to make at least, you know, be 10 bars instead of nine. But, uh, I mean, it. I've always just done it by ear, and that's mm -hmm. what I was doing here, but I'm trying to conform it in a, in a software. And it, this is the first time I'd really run into that mm -hmm. being an obstacle. But Usually, sometimes, was, sorry, go ahead. Sometimes when you're using a DAW and you're using um, different time signatures, they often have something called a time signature track mm -hmm. where you can actually sort of deal with that. And you can actually make a bar of 12, 8 or something, or and that will sort of help those automated uh, plugins conform a bit, although you'll probably have to add some manual things. Right. But yeah. It was, uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, uh, um, I would say playing it live, so to speak, would have been a lot easier, except the pat the strumming pattern and my vocal, uh, the melody were kind of sometimes at odds. So it was difficult for me to, to play the two at the same time. So I thought, oh, okay, right. well, this will be a fun experiment to build it. Uh, and this was a real production experiment too. Mm -hmm. uh, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, there was a certain kind of wisdom to laying down drums and bass first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, though I, I, I did. I've been watching you know, like uh, a lot of McCartney stuff, and he puts his bass on last. Yeah, he always is, has. Yeah, which is yeah. Uh, amazing. Which might well, explain why it's so melodic. Yeah, uh, but he's well, also a musical genius. So yeah. you know, he, he gets to write yeah. his own rules. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's so hard if you can get away with it well. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 you have two files, Phil. Uh, the first one, it's a different melody and it's a different um, rhythm pattern. The uh, lyrics are pretty much the same. Uh, and uh, But even just a little bit of that, and then we can listen to the where I'm at with the more more progress, uh, the one that's further along, and you can see where the melody of the vocal has changed and definitely how the, um, the rhythm and the instrumentation, how I built it up has changed. There's a tempo difference between the two versions as well, isn't there? I think there is. But at least it feels like at the beginning. No, nothing yeah, si nothing significant. I mean, I can... Well, let's take a listen. Trapped in mommy's treasure 
They love before your mind and your tunnel vision. That was, that was, that sort of um, uh, quality I really kind of like, that sort of uh, kind of rough blues kind of feel to it, you know? Yeah, it's got, it's got a really great shuffle to it, actually. It's kind of a Mungo Jerry kind of. Yeah. In the summertime when the weather is high mm -hmm. kind of thing. And, and I was kind of, oh, I was listening to a couple of Jack Johnson songs and I thought, oh. That could be good. But uh, once I started <laughs> putting stuff together I go okay where do you want to go I, I seem to you know yeah. it's, I don't seem to be the one driving so you did first you did the first version of the uh, song and then what was the steps after that to get you to where so you are now this is actually second the first one was like a kind of a, a really chunky kind of just a blues riff then got to this and then um this one was the one where I was having trouble really having a lot of trouble lining up the 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 um the automatic drummer to give me a rhythm that I liked all the way through. And so I, and I, it was a little too laid back and I scrubbed that and I recorded something else, I think, and I sent to Neil and then mm. he sent me back a drum truck and, uh, that really helped. Mm. And then, so I took the drum track and then I, I re-recorded everything else. And then when I re-recorded everything else, I had a better, but I thought uh, it was a, a vocal melody that I liked better. And then that really helped. And uh, so I just kept building it from there. And it got closer to what I'd wanted it to sound like in the first place. Now, how did the title um, drive the song? Um, Why Do You Cry? I thought when we were choosing from all the titles, I thought that was the most evocative in that it could mean a lot of different things and um you know why do you cry and, and we talked about i think you know uh, are you being sympathetic to the person or you know like or and i i'm not sure what triggered it for me but the idea being why do you cry when you have everything like, you know, it was it was a bit of tough love or it was like, you know, quit your whining in a, in a sense that, you know, um, the, and that's uh, there's a line in there, you know, uh, living in a cell with a voodoo doll for pleasure. Someone who's like hunkered down and, you know, like not leaving the house and just is more interested in vindictiveness and hurting, you know, like blaming other people than doing something with themselves. And that so the lyrics I wrote are a little ambiguous or could, you know, be interpreted in different ways. But the chorus is pretty straightforward. And mm. that was something that I thought, OK, I can stand to have lyrics like there's a line in there, Sasa Masa Guano, which... What's guano? Um, well, guano is batshit. Poop, so, poop. Such a mess of guano literally is oh. like what well, a lot of bat shit. But also there's a, a Clash song that I love, Jimmy Jazz, where they sing Sesamasa Guana for Jimmy Dredd. Oh, okay. And I just like the sound of it. And it, so it was a dummy lyric when I was like writing a melody. <laughs> and then so I so it's just there kind of to please me, but then it kind of made sense in the, okay. in, the in the lyrics. So the lyrics don't have to be the lyrics can be a little opaque as long as, for me in this, as long as the chorus is clear. Mm. And I, oh, and then I dropped a, th there, there were five verses. Oh, wow. Well, the verse is only two lines each. So it's not that, okay. no, that, I mean, the whole song ended up being 245, which is one of those, <laughs> it's a pretty short song, considering it has like two, ver four verses and uh, two choruses, a bridge and an outro or something. And not so, especially fast. No, and it's not a, mm. a not a rave up, um, but uh, the fifth verse was a little prescriptive, and I don't care for that lyrically. You know, look outside the window; there's a better world, and you know, yeah. I, I mean, I like the line, like you know, uh, forget the pot of gold, be happy with a rainbow. Okay, fine, but mm -hmm. I felt like I was lecturing, so like that's not what I feel comfortable doing. So. The bridge in the final, well, it's not final, but the the most recent version is somewhat like that, but not as, uh, um, not as, come on, put on a happy face kind of 
feel. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, the the lyrics. Um, it it I had an idea of what I wanted to do with that title early on, and and that's what. Uh, so I got the to the chorus, and it was more or less finding the right chords because I had a whole other set of chords at the beginning before what you just heard. But prosody-wise, it didn't sound like what I wanted it to say. Mm. And so uh, uh, I, so after that version, I changed it and got it a bit closer and a bit more up-tempo, which probably helped it be shorter. All right, let's take a listen to the second one. Is there something we should listen for? Um, what am I liking that? Um, just uh, I, I found some nice background uh, counter melodies, so I, I would I played the whole thing, you know, the the roots and the whole thing on an acoustic guitar, and then started layering in thirds and fifths and and you know to embellish that. So uh, I was kind of happy with how that turned out, especially uh, the second half of the chorus, I think. Uh, it drops out, but it doesn't seem to feel empty. Awesome. Let's take a listen. Sugar tastes bitter, especially after drinking. I can tell your fortune, but I don't know what you're thinking. Saving all your money for a happy ending Sesame Saguana, no sense in pretending Why do you cry When you never even tried And in the end It's your life to spend Still I wonder Why do you cry Living in a cell of voodoo doll for pleasure Staring at the walls, trapped among your treasure Love you for your mind and your tunnel vision You can tell the time, but you ain't nobody's pitching Why do you cry when you never even try? Still I wonder Why do you cry? Just take those sad clothes And throw them away Nothing gets old faster than yesterday Verse, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that was you just going. Yeah. And then in one of the parts, there's a very high kind of John Anderson vocal, too. Yeah. Still, I wonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. I, I always, I, I, I was always interpreting your interpretation of why you cry as like a relationship. You're telling somebody, that not, not necessarily that they have everything, but they're, they're somehow stuck in their life, but especially when when you know you say, "Tell me why you cry," or "Why do you cry when you never even tried?" Like they're stuck in their life, but they're not doing anything about it. Mm -hmm. So instead of crying about it, how about you do something about it? Kind of thing. That's that. That's the that's the interpretation I was getting. Because like you say, the the verses are kind of a little bit opaque. 
in that regard, they're not specific about having good fortune or, or you know, lots of stuff or materialism or anything like that. But there's, there's there are some nice, there are some nice uh, turns of, of of phrases, um, like the cell, the living in a cell voodoo doll for pleasure, staring at the walls trapped among your treasure, like that. That that hints at that. Um, but you know, but staring at the walls almost sounds like a you know, a mental health thing. Like you're just kind of, you know, your, your padded walls kind of <laughs> scenario. Mm-hmm. Something like that. That's the image I got in my mind, but yeah, there's some, this, this is some great. And, and I really like the way that, that um, you take your bridge and the bridge just sort of folds into the chorus in this really neat way, because you end the bridge with like the beginning of the chorus where it should be the end of the bridge. It's, it is actually the beginning of the next of the last chorus. And it just sort of uh, blends its way in, into the last chorus, which, which again, you're talking about structure that's part of what makes your song really short because there's no like there's no space there between those two sections it literally just folds into the next uh section mm-hmm. yeah and it's only it ends with only half the chorus it doesn't play the whole chorus out yeah and the way you're vamping that chorus at the end like you could could put a solo in there <laughs> i could kids yeah. don't like the solos <laughs> apparently it's interesting you, you set up a rhymed uh, structure and, and sort of keep to it through the whole song with uh, rhymes on the last word of each line, mm-hmm. um, which is which is interesting. So it's... Uh, you get an internal rhyme somewhere. Where was it? Oh, crap, I can't find it now. I do like... Oh, uh, love you for your mind and your tunnel vision. You can tell the time. Right. He's pigeon. You got two yeah. double, double rhyme going there. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah, I do like the you can tell the time, but you ain't nobody's pigeon. I thought that was quite uh, quite neat. Yeah, and and vamping on the end of uh, the chorus, I thought was quite effective as well. It's uh, an interesting way to to end a song, which can always be a bit challenging. I mean, how do you do? You just go da 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 da, or you know, but uh, it's a great way of of, of working with that. There's, there's certainly no mistaking, especially with that vamp at the end, what the title of this song is. That's true. <laughs> yeah, giving me the title, I'm going to use You're it. You're going to use the thing. <laughs> I was so surprised to add version two because it's so different than version one. In some ways, but well, it's the same chords, it's the same lyrics, it's the same, virtually the same arrangement. Virtually the same yeah. arrangement. The, the melodies in the second one, I, I think I favor. Maybe because rhythmically it's stronger, I don't know. But, but there's, so there's something about the melodies in the, in the second one that seems to land a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely, obviously, I prefer, I'd like to yeah. think that it's getting better. <laughs> I yeah. prefer the second one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. But, the, but the first one has this like dull time feel to it. That's that's the biggest difference. This one. I like the kind of shuffly, the, the shuffly vibe, bundle, but I, I might bundle. try to preserve that in another song. This mm-hmm. one, you know, it's kind of hard to be, snap out of it as a sentiment when you're like, hey, man, it's kind of laid back. I feel like slapping, snapping out of it. Go ahead. <laughs> so, Michael, after going through this exercise, what things have you learned? I have learned to map out my structure ahead of time. Hmm. Instead of um, kind of going, oh, this is what feels good, because it made it a lot more difficult for me to... Uh, build up later and to um it made it more difficult for me to change things and i thought oh i'll be i can just do it on the fly and i did do some editing that way but i think uh, i will paper edit the like uh, like for a long time i didn't even write down lyrics i would just figure if i can't remember them they're not that good <laughs> uh, and then i started writing on lyrics and chords because i started forgetting them uh, <laughs> After after twenty songs, they go okay. This my brain is finite. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, so, kind of what I do with chords and lyrics, I'm going to do with structure. Now I'm going to write it out, and it'll also make it easier to communicate what this yeah. song is uh, yeah. to other people. It does. If you want to give a song to another musician to uh, collaborate with or to add. Um, at an instrument to having some map is much easier than just hearing this thing and trying to figure out, you know, yeah, what goes where. A couple of gigs where there's a band and I try to tell them, okay, it goes like this and this and like this. And then I realize as I'm doing this, I'm, you know, I, I you know, like I write simple songs, but they're also pop songs and they have unusual structures. So mm-hmm. yeah. So 
uh, being a bit more deliberate with the writing of the structure and the arrangement, mm -hmm. I think would that, be very helpful. And, and, and that sort of thing is really the sort of thing that a producer would help you with. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, you walked into a, you know, you walked into my studio with a song, I, I would probably hammer down the structure and be like, okay, let's try and, let's try and organize yeah. it a little bit more stringently. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think that's, you know, if you're home recording, there's no one telling you to do that. So, yeah. uh, it's, it's a discipline that you need to have. It's also, it's also tough when you're doing this because you are also learning how to use your DAW. Mm -hmm. or a digital audio workstation. And that's a challenge in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And this is the best way of learning your DAW is actually having a project to try to, you know, just playing around with one isn't going to really no, do it. No, that never works. You said something, I don't know if it was last week or in a previous show for sure, about how in the DAW you can actually trigger it to play different arrangements. You mean different time signatures? Um, I thought you, you could. Oh, you know, yes, yes. Well, the, 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 sort of arrangement manager. Originally. Yeah, arrangement yeah. manager. Or arrangement but, tracks or. Yeah, or something know. like that. But for that to work, you have to build it properly in the first place. Yes. Yeah. And so that's, uh, I think, uh, that's something because every time I would rearrange this song, and there was a lot of editing, like dropping out verses or trimming this or that, um, I would just make another copy and edit it as opposed yeah. to being able to do it within the same project with Arrangement Manager. So, uh, yeah, I think the lesson for me from this was about arranging and, and yeah. uh, planning. I mean, I mean all, all that being said, I'm a firm believer in technology to serve us, not the other way around. And if you've got, you know, a song with wonky structure, then, you know, in, any, any decent DAW should be able to conform to your structure, not not have have not have you have to conform to a and, standard and they will you just have well, to know I'm how sure to do it does. it i just yeah i'm limited in how well i know how to use it i think <laughs> that is and also but it's about communicating and i wasn't able to communicate to the doll but i also i need to be able to communicate to other players you know yeah. what is the structure of the song and i mean i still you know i'm, I'm still pretty set on i think that bridge is long enough i don't think it needs another two bars I mean, maybe I could change how it builds, and I appreciate that you like the way that it transitions back into the, the uh, chorus with that. I thought that was pretty neat. So, uh, and, and also, you know, every pop song's been written, so, you know, let's find where it hasn't been done and try to mess with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is very true. Well, that was, um, that's great. I think I start, I'm hearing the band. Oh, well, it's time that's, to go. It's, that's, it's that time. Thank you, Michael. We'll hear your song soon. Yes, yes, yes. It's, it's, it's been a complete different approach for me, and it's, it's yeah, kind of fun. I've never done it before. I don't know how different it'll sound from the other stuff I've done, but it's been a different uh, journey, and that's kind of the whole point of this. That's what a challenge is for. Indeed. Out of your comfort zone. Well, that's all the time we have today on Song Talk Radio. We'd like to thank our guest, uh, Michael, for being on the show. Thank you for being on the show, Michael. It's <laughs> lovely being here. Don't forget that we want to hear from you. So send us an email with your thoughts and comments to uh, feedback at songtalk.ca. And um, you can find all the links to all those services and um, products and stuff that we mentioned here on the show on the resources page. And if you're in this... If you've got a computer, join us for the next Song Talk Meetup. Um, held once a month, free to attend on meetup.com. Blast, and there's people there from all over the globe. And uh, I think that's about it. Uh, Neil, how do people get more of you? For me at neilmode.com. And how about you, Michael? Well, I think you've had enough of me tonight, haven't you? <laughs> uh, you can also try uh, Proudfoot420 on Instagram. And, of course, you can get more of me at philemory.ca. Stop by the website at songtalk.ca to past, to past browse shows. And apparently I've had a stroke. He's good, Phil. Nice, boy. <laughs> me, him good read. <laughs> Anyways, apart from my having a stroke, <laughs> stop by the website to browse past shows and find out how you could be a guest. Because I'm ever so eloquent. Thanks for all past browsers. It's perfect. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Good night. Good night. Night good. Night good.
Welcome to the folks. Welcome to the folk songs. Welcome to the songs, folks. I know you're new to this, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it's it's new. Uh, <laughs> let's try that again. <laughs> Michael has frozen, or he's doing a bit. I'm not sure what. It was his so, moon connection again. Well, where's the Michael? Wait, First, according to uh, Peter Ustin. You just dropped over for a oh, minute there, Mike. Who has frozen? Oh dear. Uh, oh. oh, for God. I love the way Zoom does that. If you freeze, it like it like cues up your your lost footage and then plays it in super fast. I know. It's kind of like being caught like around like a black hole or time. One. Yeah, those eyes like, are open. Yeah. You know, it looks like he's lunging into the screen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Oh, maybe he's. What about St. John's venues? There's got to be something you found over there. Um, I've only been to um, one bar. I went to an open mic, and there was only two people who came out. <laughs> you saying that? Um, but I really liked it. It was a small room. It reminded me a lot of what the uh, uh, the Cameron used to be back in the day okay. before they got really nice and kind of cleaned it up. Mm. Um, so if I ever play music again live, I wouldn't mind playing there. It's small and... Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, mm. so I guess we'll edit this part out of the podcast, obviously. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so yeah, have you been doing any music stuff? Not really. I, I, I did, um, I did play with my, uh, <laughs> challenge again a little bit today. Um, just that transition chord. Oh, thing. right. And I'm still not landing on something. I'm like, I may just keep it the way it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's one of the great things about um, collaborating is that when you get stuck that way, mm -hmm. you know, your, your partner can go, well, why don't you try this? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But I, I also want to take another look at the lyrics. Um, for some reason, some of the lyrics are bothering me now. Uh, oh, you're back. I remember uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that'll be an edit, unless you know you guys were I think so. too fascinating while I, while I was gone. Uh, yeah, it was it was really compelling.